All right, hey everybody, this is Scoots, and this is a episode, a style of episode called Tale of the Tape. Uh, this is a style of episode called Tale of the Tape, where I try to remember the plot of a movie that supposedly had a big impact on my life. And those always kind of go uh, interesting, because they say, wait a second, how did this movie that changed my life, uh, what happened in that movie? And this one also has the uh, potential for me to talk about some of the sequels uh, to the movie, just because uh, I don't know if I'll do it. I don't think I would do a tale of the tape of the sequels. And, I, and this is the la- I think it's the last big kid movie I saw as a kid when I was older, like a mid kid. I don't know what you call that. Uh, I wasn't quite a tween yet. I guess technically I may have been a tween. I still played with toys, uh, which, I mean, I don't think there's any age that kids should stop playing with toys. Uh, no, I mean, I still watched Saturday morning cartoons and played with toys. So so the movie we're going to be talking about tonight is called uh, uh, Runners, Runners of the, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I guess that's not that bad a word, Raiders. And it's a movie featuring Indiana Jones. I think it came out in the 80s, but again, in my mind, uh, and those of you that listen to the podcast since the whole, the whole podcast since the beginning, you'll have to indulge me because some of this might be, I don't know if it can be repetitive when I, you know, <laughs> when I don't remember it, but uh, this was a big, big moment in my life. Uh, now, I didn't see Ra- Raiders of the Lost Ark in the movie theater. So it wasn't a big in my movie theater going life, uh, but it was a big, like a huge moment. Um, and really one of those just unforgettable moments in my life uh, where my mind was literally blown, my childhood mind. And so I'll set that up, then I'll talk about what I can rem- remember about the movie and maybe its sequels, depending on our time. So, okay, so I'm the oldest of six kids. Um and I don't know if all six kids, I guess one of my brothers probably would have been a baby or two of them would have been young. But my car, my brother, Carl, my sister, Sheila, they're only, uh, I think, just under two years younger than me. And so traditionally, the three of us, you know, we were closer in age uh, than my brother, Ted, is, uh, I don't know, a few, like a few years younger than me than that. Uh, and then my next siblings, but so this was when those kids were, I don't think Ted was a toddler, Ted, the toddler. Uh, but so, um, uh, let's see. So we would get up on Saturdays. This was a very, in a very, uh, uh, idealized thing. We would eat cereal and we would watch cartoons, uh, like, and, and when I was a kid, you know, we didn't have streaming services, but there was three or four, probably three, maybe two or three TV channels coming in over the air. I don't know if we had cable or not. It didn't really matter because the, the broadcast networks kind of dominated Saturday morning cartoons. And Saturday morning cartoons were a really big deal. Not just to kids. I think it was a pretty big industry. I guess I wonder if there's any uh, the history of Saturday morning cartoons. I guess I could do another episode about that because I don't want to get too caught off on a tangent. But they usually ran from somewhere around 8 in the morning until 11 or 10, maybe from 7 to 10. Like usually a two- or three-hour block of cartoons. And as as the day wore on, 
the probably the quality, and you'd probably change channels depending on what your favorites were. And again, we'll go into that. But so we used to, we were, you know, hardcore Saturday. That was part of our Saturday morning for years and years and years. And a big part of the podcast, obviously, is a foundation for me. Uh, but so then what would happen is, because, uh, you you know, kids like, even back then, kids love screen time. It's just, I don't know if it's because of whatever. I don't want to get into the anthropology side of it. But we love screen time, even though it was a tube. We called it tube time. And it was, so as the Saturday morning cartoons wore down, we weren't allowed to watch WWF, which is now WWE, which I think came on after the Saturday morning cartoons. My dad it was very against that. I don't think from a moral or a philosophical standpoint, just as like a, just from a logistical standpoint, because then we like me and my brothers and maybe my sister, we would start enacting uh, what was going on in the shows. Uh, so it was more of a child management thing. And at some point we would usually have chores or other things to do uh, depending on the day or we would go play. But after watching Saturday morning cartoons, transitioning to play is not easy. And you always kind of felt forlorn, like, oh, I wish there was another hour or two of cartoons for us to watch. Oh, and I guess we did have cable because, okay, so, and I talked about this in my life with HBO a a, a bit, which is an episode that came out and was rebroadcast uh, like a, a little while back. Uh, so I guess I don't need to talk too much about HBO, but so during, so, okay, so let me talk about the Saturday morning cartoon part. So usually a Saturday morning cartoons ended, you had a decision to make, uh, because that's when like sports came out, like golf or uh, football, uh, or some other sport where you say, well, this isn't, or something else you say, well, I don't want to watch this. I want to watch cartoons, uh. You know, it's funny as a consumer now, like that they're basically like, that's it, kids, it's over. Like sometimes they would have something that transitioned. Maybe they, I don't know if they have the new news on the weekends back then. Uh, but yeah, sometime around then, like around somewhere between 10 and, and 11, TV became anti-kid, basically. I mean, I'm not, I don't know, like they said, well, now it's time for adults to get up and sit down and sit in front of the TV for a while. Or it would become a land of waste where it would just be like, we don't have anything because the sports aren't starting to one. I guess that's when sports start on the East Coast, huh? And so usually as a kid, you, you and I grew up in central New York, so it might have been rainy. Now, this particular day, it didn't matter. We were literally, I think the blinds were closed. We just got through a good batch of cartoons, and this we had a free HBO because every HBO would run a few different times a year. They would have a thing where it's like, oh, HBO's free for two weeks or whatever. And, uh, you know, other things do it even now. And, or maybe it was a free trial. But so we, uh, or maybe we just had HBO then. I talked about that in my life with HBO. There was like a period where my parents were paying for HBO, I guess because they were watching it at night. But so we turned on HBO. Now, usually, like, a, there was like a Saturday movie that was not aimed at kids or youth. It was like, a, and, and, you know, at this age, you're not really interested in that many movies or films, uh, and we hadn't developed any taste. We were like, to go to, from cartoons to a non-animated movie is a pretty big jump. Uh, 
Uh, but a lot of times we would check or we'd just be running the TV. And I don't know if this is planned out or a spur of the moment. In my memory, it feels like a spur of the moment thing. And I, again, I feel like it was a spring or summer day. It was a Saturday for sure. And we changed it to HBO at either 10 or 11 or 12. And the, like maybe they have like HBO used to have this build up with HBO, the HBO thing and uh, like a movie theater going into a town, launching into outer space, just like the start of a film in a movie theater. Uh, because it was creating a home box office uh, feel. And then it would be, say, you know, special presentation or Saturday movie or whatever, like a feature. And this particular Saturday, the movie that started was the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark. And to say we were riveted, well, I can't speak for my siblings, but to say I was riveted and it was like all time and existence stopped for the next two hours or hour and a half. Uh, that would be an understatement. And again, I think I'm just ballparking that I was somewhere around eight, somewhere between us, <laughs> even though I have a child, like I was somewhere between eight and 11 years old or seven and 11 years old. Though I could have been 14 or 18, I don't even know. And I have no idea what year it was. I don't even have the slightest clue. Uh, and I think uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark was a PG movie. Uh, and again, they kind of supervise it by like, oh, we'll play this PG movie during the day. That's all right. Uh, and I don't know what was going on with my parents. Again, we like were in the basement where our room, like our rooms were all in this basement. And in the center of the basement was like a, uh, like a, like a common room where there was a couch and a TV. And if we weren't making too much noise, it was like out of sight, out of mind uh, for my parents. So, and then, and then my parents had their hands full, at least my mom did, you know, with, uh, my dad probably was doing yard work or something. And then my mom had three real little kids to deal with. So we were there, we were riveted from the moment this film started till the moment it ended. And I'll talk about after it ended first before I get into trying to remember the plot because I can just remember being shocked in the most positive way of where this film had just taken me. It was the first time I saw a movie like this. I don't think I'd seen any Star Wars movies, so I'd wanted to. And I'd probably seen some grown-up movies, but never something like this that was just targeted right at the, as an adolescent youth, you know, or pre-adolescent, whatever age, like a Saturday morning thriller or serial was what they were trying to recreate with that film. And that, it, like, I could tell that it was just such high quality and the story was great, the acting was great, the action, the, the sets, the set pieces... And maybe I had heard about it, like, because it would have obviously already been in the movie theaters and probably some of my friends or kids in my class had seen it. There was probably already, yeah, there was already toys and stuff. I didn't have any toys, but I remember playing with some of the toys because they think their toys were different. Uh, their action figures were a little bit different. A lot of them had, uh, I don't know, like, uh, but anyway, so I didn't have any of the toys, so... It was all new to me other than some of the marketing that might have touched me. And I just remember leaving my house in the days, and it was like it was nice outside. 
and it was really sunny. And I remember actually being in a daze, like being like, holy cow. And then the, the, the kids that lived across the street from us uh, were our friends. Uh, or, well, what, like, uh, yeah, like uh, there was a brother and sister that was like my age, Dave, and his sister, Aaron, that was a year older. And then Brian, that was a little bit like the same age as my brother, Ted. And I remember seeing Dave uh, and uh, saying, holy cow, we just watched this movie. Like, I can't believe what we just saw. And then wanting to live out the movie and reenact it and probably doing that. Or me and my brother and sister probably doing that. And I think it's like instructive because it was like one of those moments I wanted to keep with me, even though it was transient and it was already gone. Like, as a child, I wanted to carry that moment with me and hold on to it as long as possible, which is probably, like, a, a good lesson. Like, it was like that that movie took me on such a journey and was so it impressed me in such a way that I just didn't want to let go of that experience right away. And, again, this would be, like, a couple of years after that where I was old enough to go to the movies by myself, which is probably too young, but, like... Uh, and that's when I had that summer where I was seeing like a bunch of movies over and over and over again because I could pay for it myself because I had a paper route and it was only like two bucks or two fifty. Uh, but I just remember it literally changed my life. It's like I can't believe just like the first time I read really good fiction. It was like I cannot believe this experience that was just provided for me that I was just taken on by this thing that I had totally underestimated. So, okay, so let's go through the movie, I guess, of what I can remember about it. So Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, stars Harrison Ford, and uh, that's who it starts out with. Um, and I'll already be uh, not remembering much. So I'm pretty sure it has, like, I don't know if this is what a cold open is, but it opens already in action but not high action in mystery uh, and they don't show Indiana Jones's face, I don't think, for a little while. Like, there's a slow build where he's adventuring with a bunch of other people, making his way through kind of a jungle setting uh, into a temple. And, I mean, I think another thing is looking back on it is a very, uh, like, uh, problematic culturally that he's, like, taking... Yeah, it, but but I mean, it's I, I know it's fiction, but I just thinking as a kid, you didn't have that context to be like, uh, should we really be rooting for Indiana Jones? And I mean, I guess he's a professor of antiquities, so you'd say, well, doesn't that balance it back out? Uh, so eventually, first you just see that he has like a leather jacket, a uh, hat. Uh, he's got his like. Uh, his trusty like thing that he uses to swing on his like uh, like uh, like his diva we'll call it where he, he devos it good and like uh, I don't know how soon we realize what he he doesn't like um, is that oh yeah that's not yet uh, I don't think. But so he and a couple of companions are like adventuring into this temple and then he has to overcome these different, uh, like, uh, uh, booby things, uh, booby steps, uh, as we, like a data, I don't think data would even say that, uh, from Goonies, but so he goes into the temple, he loses some of his companions one gets lost, uh, one disappears. Oh no, no. Okay. So he loses one, I think. 
then he gets like he gets he has to they have to jump or swing over uh, something like uh, and and he does it the other guy does it and, and uh, he says uh, in Indiana Jones says hey can, can, give me my turn to swing across on my Devo and the guy says boink and he takes off. And you kind of see, like, this combination of adventuring and uh, deduction, at least, like, uh, that's like uh, he's like a bit of a mystery solver, too. Uh, and eventually he overcomes that obstacle. Then he catches up, he finds another uh, booby thing, and he realizes, oh, the other guy went to the big farm through this uh, portal. Uh, so he gets through that one, and there was just so many layered on on top of one another that as a kid, you're like, holy cow, does this really exist? Like, this would be so cool. And as, like, a kid, like, a story has stakes right away, like, uh, big stakes uh, for for the hero and uh, the hero's sidekicks, which, uh, you know, they said, well, we'll prefer to visit the big farm uh, instead of uh, hanging with Indy. Or the one guy said, well, I'm going to go ahead of you and leave you behind. And so then eventually he gets by one thing, and then he has to go across this path, and he says, oh, this is impossible. I have to run, I think. Uh, and then he gets this golden idol, and uh, then he even has to, like, weigh stuff out. And this has, you know, been in, like, there's been Simpsons episodes about it and everything. And he's trying to figure out how to do it, and then he thinks he's successful, but really, he triggers this part, and this is like in the, on the Disneyland ride, even. And then this giant, uh, like, uh, like again, you say, was this real? Did this any? And I don't know. Historically, did this kind of stuff exist? But like this ten or twenty foot diameter, like, but like sanded down boulder rolls after him. He has to run out. Uh, and it chases him out, and he's like, you know, again, again, it's like high adventure. And then he gets out, and it's like, oh, boy, like, he, uh, he's made it. He's, like, accomplished his victory. And then he heads down to uh, meet up with his buddy. And I think you see his buddy. He's, like, waiting in a, um, a seaplane. And then you see Indiana Jones again, and he gets caught by uh, his, his, like, uh, his, the anti-Indy anti-Indy, I guess. For some reason, I usually remember his name, but right now I can't. Uh, but he says, uh, uh, like, he's waiting there, uh, and he's actually kind of, like, co-opted some indigenous people to, like, corner Indiana Jones. Some, like, warriors, and he says, hey, give me the, like, title. And there is a famous line that says, like, and I don't know the line exactly, but he says, hey, you know, there's nothing you could possess, Dr. Jones, that I can't take away or something. So you get the idea this is as a competitor. It kind of, uh, it's so strong at the beginning that I guess, like, and it's so impress impressive that, uh, like, even though he plays a part in the later like, later part of the movie, you almost want him, uh, I don't know, I guess there's a thirst for me to have more of him. Oh, I just heard Indiana Jones say his name in my brain, but I couldn't hear what he said. Because now I can think of his uh, Moriarty, but it's not Moriarty. But a very similar type relationship, like, I can outsmart you. 
So he takes it. Then Indiana Jones says, he makes a run. He says, well, I might as well get out of here, at least with my stuff. Uh, and he heads out uh, to to uh, get away. Uh, then he goes to the seaplane. We realize that the, the person that flies the seaplane has a forest friend, a swamp friend, actually. Or no, in this case, like a, a friend from the jungles. Uh, that believes in constriction, a pet constriction pet. Uh, and Indiana Jones says, I don't like those things. And the guy says, it's my pet, man. Like, but then they take off. They just barely get away. And even as a kid, you say, wow, that's how you open a movie, man. Holy moly. Like, wow. And then you see like a little serialized thing where I think the movie opens, but they also show Indiana Jones traveling on a map, which was cool. And so there's that. Uh, then uh, now I'll, I'll get mixed up because <laughs> uh, you think there's two different sets of scenes. Uh, no, I guess there's next, the next scene. Maybe there's a transition scene, but then we see a college uh I don't know, is this like the 1920s, I'm guessing? Uh, and then or 1930s, I don't know. I'm not, you know, history. nothing's my strong suit except for lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones. Uh, but so we see, again, now we see Professor Jones. So he's like a button down now. He's got like a blazer, leather patches on the elbows, uh, glasses, is he, you know, he, he looks more down to earth, but obviously he's very handsome. You say, oh boy, is this guy handsome? And he's kind of talking again about, uh, I guess like artifacts and stuff. I can't remember. He's like a professor of archaeology, I guess. Yeah. Archaeologist and a professor of antiquities. Uh, then... Uh, he, 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 class ends and this guy's waiting for him, uh, who's like, uh, a little bit, not quite a mentor type of figure, uh, but he uh, says, uh, and I want to say this guy's name is Llewellyn, but I'm not positive about that at all. Uh, but that name popped into my head, and he says, hey, man, let's talk. How'd things go? Oh, well, I got busted by, you know, the jerk face. Uh, oh, yeah, Totally. And then I think he says, hey, like, uh, there's a couple people from the State Department or something. I don't know. There's, like, a weird thing where he says, yeah, like, uh, the State Department's here. They want to talk to you. Or we could use your advice on something. And then they, like, have this meeting. And I guess we start to see, like, some of his venturing supplies. We see his office and stuff like that. Uh and then the people from the State Department are there, and they say, hey, uh, we, like, uh, we're dealing with, the, like, uh, you know, the, 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 the worst of the worst. Uh, and he says, oh, like, uh, and he goes, yeah, them. Uh, and he goes, oh, boy. And he goes, uh, like, A-X-I-S? And he goes, yeah, yeah. And he goes, oh, okay. Uh, and he says, what's go? What's up? And they go, have you heard of the Ark of the Covenant? Uh, and he says, of course I heard of it. It's like, uh, like uh, that's the Ark where the Ten Commandments were held, but it's also rumored to have all these powers. 
and uh, like uh, that it could be like used to like to to to, to use in a non like they could unleash a lot of power that's not like good or that someone could use and they say yeah we're thinking they want to use it as a uh war what's it good for absolutely something in this case do you think that's possible and he says yeah i mean if uh, probably look at these pictures i have uh and they say, well, where would you find it? And he goes, well, uh, like, I think I'd have to find it, uh, like, uh, out there, somewhere out there beneath the sun and stars. And they say, what? And he said, never mind. Sorry, Scoots just slipped in a five reference. And he says, I think, like, uh, I don't know. And they say, well, we heard uh, that they're doing this dig in Egypt. Uh, would you look into it? And he goes, well, first I'd have to look into something else. And then I think there maybe there's some transition scene, but then we get uh, some scenes with Karen Allen and uh, those that, that are amazing. She's having, she works somewhere high up in the mountains, maybe the Himalayas. I don't even know. She runs a bar, and she's having a drinking contest. Apparently, she can, like, hold her own, like, against anybody. So she's having a drinking contest with, a, like, a gentleman that's much bigger than her. And they're gambling. And then, uh, like, it's, it's, like, you see kind of that she's an adventurer, too, but she see maybe, does she have sad eyes? Uh but she has a victory, and she, she's, like, happy, like, at this point. Like, she's like, this is my place. Maybe I have, like, some sad eyes, but I'm also happy running my place here. And she has her community. And then who rolls in uh, but uh, this dude in a black uh, raincoat, uh, and he's, like, also, like, he's, he's kind of representative and again, I guess they layered these antagonists. Uh, I don't know. If there's one, two, maybe there's three kind of representative antagonists, or is there two? I, I can't remember off the top of my head. And then smaller antagonists, but uh, he's he comes in. I have no idea what his name is, uh, and he says uh, hi. Uh, and you can already sense, I mean, this guy exudes not, like, antagonism, but in, like, a subtle, like, sour way. And a lot of people excuse themselves, and he's kind of spending time walking around, and he says, yeah, I heard you have, like, I'm looking for this thing that you used to find this other thing or something. Oh, we also learned that Karen Allen's father was an adventurer as well. I forgot about that part, uh... Because that's kind of when they see, they, she see, they say, we think your father left it behind. He was supposed to be working for us or something. And she goes, I don't know what you're talking about. And then he says, I think you do. And she says, I don't know what you like. I don't. Uh, and uh, he says, you, I think you do. And she says, well, I think I don't. Uh, and he says, well, I think I'm going to close your place down for business then. Uh, and, uh, like, uh, gently, like, write you a strongly worded letter. I'm going to sit down and take this pen and write a strongly worded review of your restaurant and pub and put it out on the door because they didn't have Yelp back then. And she says, why would you do that? You're not even a customer. 
And he says, well, that's what I need to do to, to teach you. Like, otherwise you could tell me about this uh, artifact I need to find. Now, somehow she either had it on her or like something. And then all this trouble starts. And then Indiana Jones shows up uh, in the sound effects. That's the other thing that stuck out to me. Like, I've seen this in the theater a few times, too, as an adult, uh, is just like the level of sound effects and, and, you know, realistic or not, just the way what they add to the film. Uh, but so she is starts to dance, you know, they, she says, no, I'm taking the pens and paper away from you. Then Indiana Jones shows up uh, and they have this whole thing where they're like trying to write. And he says, all my minions write na- nasty reviews of this pub and restaurant. Uh, and they almost lose uh, like the, the um, artifact. Uh, then he tries to grab it and he actually like... Uh, he like had dipped. He put his hand like uh, in, in, no, it had fallen in ink. Uh, then he put his hand on it to grab it, uh, and it was like 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 the real ink, like the stuff that doesn't come out. I mean, without a lot of wash. Uh, so he was holding it in his hand, thinking he was going to get away with it. And Indiana Jones takes it away. And they say, "Oh, these letters were just a distraction, so you could take this artifact." Also, maybe Indiana Jones had already come and she had kicked him out already, uh, and then he came back. I can't remember because then he le- they all leave because uh, they chase him away. Because uh, they say, "Didn't you hear your guy called for dinner?" But he had had he had picked it up with the ink on it, so he had actually had a version of it on his hand in, in ink stained in ink. Yeah, then Indiana Jones says, "Hey, sorry about the time, you know, like." Uh, like, uh, I, like I thought, you know, I didn't bring money for our dates. And then I like, and she goes, yeah, well, forget the whole thing. And they say, uh, okay, well, uh, remember like, and they say, well, okay, anyway, what do you want? You're, you, you know, I'm frustrated with you. And he says, well, I need that. You know, your dad was looking into something and I need to look into it. And she says, well, we'll look into it together. Partners, uh, or something like that. And then they fly to Cairo, I believe, uh, all as a group, or the two of them. Uh, but so they go there. I think that's where they go. But they go to meet uh, Indiana Jones has a friend there, uh, played by John Reese davies uh, uh, John Reese davies plays his friend, uh, Sala. So... Uh, they go there, and they meet up, and uh, he says, what are you looking for? And they, he says, yeah, this is what I'm looking for. And he says, okay. And then we realize that there's somebody else, uh, why, like there's multiple people watching for Indiana Jones. Uh, and we see Saul has already figured that out. And he says, hey, this guy was trying to give you uh, sour grapes. And he could, Indiana Jones goes, I hate sour grapes. It makes, gives me a headache. And he goes, yeah, good thing I had helped you with that. Uh, then Karen Allen makes, and he says, okay, well, I think I can find, I know they're doing it outside of town somewhere. So we'll go over there. And he goes, okay, let me just, uh, let me just have an action sequence or something. He goes, maybe I'll go down to the market. And then we see Karen Allen that uh, comes out and she looks beautiful. And so we kind of have this romantic moment, uh, and he says, oh boy. And, and she says, oh boy, you're, you know, don't, you know. 
if you like it, put a ring on it. Uh, and he goes, okay. Uh, he goes, let's go for a walk or something. They go for a walk, and then this is great. This is one of the more famous uh, action comedy sequences. And again, you get a sense that this is a movie that does not take itself too seriously. It's a serious movie, but it use, also uses a lot of comedy and high quality acting with, you know, comedic acting. Because there's like this action sequence, like in the market and in, 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 in around this town, around the city. And Karen Allen and Indy get separated and they have to deal with a bunch of people. Uh, they're hired to take, you know, to, to, uh, oh, actually they get away with her. I didn't even think about that. I guess that's what happened. Yeah. And they, then, uh, Indiana Jones just barely gets away. Like he kind of uses, there's just like a lot of action comedy. So he can't find her. Uh, then him and Solomon meet again and they say, okay, well, I think what happens is they say, let me get to the bottom of this. Let's go figure out what they're burying or uncovering first. And we, uh, like he says, this is actually the only time we're going to be able to find it. So we got to go down to where the dig site is. We need this thing. And we got to translate this. Because uh, they think it was like a headpiece, the the, the 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 item that Karen Allen's character, Marion, had, uh, like it reflects a light. So he says, okay, we got to go down. Now, meanwhile, Marion's become the guest of, of all people, Belloc, Belloc uh, who's a, Indiana Jones's rival and working for not, the not good people. And so she says, you're working with these not, this is like, you know, not good. And he goes, well, you know, highest bidder, baby. And she goes, that's a mistake. And he goes, well, that's a mistake I'm willing to make uh, to get to the bottom of this. Where's it? Where's the thing in Indiana Jones? And she goes, you'll never find them. And he goes, well, we're trying to get to the bottom of something because we had this thing with the ink on the guy's hand and we still can't get it to work right. Oh, and that's the difference. So then Indiana Jones, they have both sides, like only one side printed on the guy's hand because, you know, it was only on one side. So they realize, oh, they're using the long, wrong size staff. Uh, so then Indiana Jones goes down. Um, is this what happens? Uh, yeah, I guess he goes down there and... Uh, Again, he has to deal with some things that he doesn't necessarily like. He has to overcome that. Uh, then he finds the uh, huh, maybe I may be doing this out of order, but that's pretty typical. But he goes down. He says, well, "Let me get this thing free, or let me find out if the ark, uh, the covenant's down here." I wanted to say there was one more scene, but I think that, yeah, I guess there's like two more locations. So he finds it. Uh, and then I think it, uh, Solid joins him and then they like, uh, they start moving it. And I think they eventually start raising it up and then they say, hey, thanks, uh, you're going to stay down here. And then in Indy has to get out of there, which I think he finds his way out somehow. Uh, but again, they say, oh boy, I have to overcome the things I'm not comfortable with. 
uh, but they thought he was stuck there. So he gets out, and I, I don't know, Sala, maybe that's it for him in the movie, I guess. Uh, can't remember if he comes back in the movie. But basically, then Indy says, okay, they got Marion. Maybe they have Sala, and they have the Ark. Uh, now i got to figure stuff out. But I think he says, well, first things first, got to rescue Marion. Uh, in this case, Maid Marion. And then she says, I don't need rescuing. He goes and finds her tent, and uh, then they say, she says, okay, let's get out of here. And she's the one that does that. Then they have to, um, then they get on this thing with this biplane, or like a plane, well, not a biplane, but a single-winged plane, which is very advanced for the time that the not-good team has. And that's when there's all sorts of action, like uh, that actually the stunt show in uh, Florida has. Uh, so there's this big action sequence, tons of cool stuff. And like a, like a whole thing of like, uh, uh, you know, one-upsmanship and him, Indiana Jones, trying to outsmart and outdance and all that. And then I think right when, at least in my memory serves, like right when they're about to get away, uh, something else happens. I can't remember. Uh, I guess maybe I'm missing a sequence, and maybe some of this is out of sequence. But like they don't, they don't manage to get away. And Bellic, uh, and maybe that dude in the the black raincoat, and maybe one other. I'm pretty sure there's one other, or maybe it's just Bellic. Uh, yeah, uh, says, nope, you're busted, B-U-S-T-E-D, busted by the antagonists, and uh, so sorry. And then they uh, say, okay, you're going to come with us because we're going to actually test this out to see if we can use this Ark of the Covenant as a W-A-R, what's it good for? And I think Indiana Jones tries to reason with Bellick. He says, listen, man, you're talking about like a, like a spiritual item can't be used as for, for what's it good for. It's good for doing good. And if you do this, it's just not a good idea. Like, uh, and he says, you know what? I work, I work for this and, you know, we believe in use, you know, like, uh, we're co-opting spiritual forces, uh, for our own means, uh, and Indiana Jones says, that's a bad idea, man. So then they go to this remote remote location where they have all these, like, lights set up and energy boosters and all sorts of stuff like that. And uh, Indy says, you, again, you're making a big mistake. Uh, and they say, well, I don't think we are. And he says, okay. And then they set it up, and they, they kind of, like— uh, like Indian and Marion and maybe Sal are there. And Bellic is like, gets all dressed up, uh, like, cause he says, well, I have to be in a, a fancy headdress and stuff to co-opt this energy. And it becomes this great build. Uh, and he's like, like almost like he's weaving spells. Cause he's like reading all sorts of stuff, I think. And then there's like this slow build up. uh, and then Indiana Jones realizes, okay, like, uh, he's, he's still deducing or, or unpuzzling one last mystery, I think. And he says, okay, don't like close your mouth, your eyes and your nose, uh, and don't open them for any reason because, like, uh, that'll counter the, uh, spiritual W-A-R try. 
And because he says, you're unleashing something, you know, power you don't understand, which ends up happening. And then Belloc releases his power. And there's a lot of special effects. It's a bit like all, all so they had all these, can- they ended up, they, 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 for some reason, they were also collecting candles. So, so all their candle collections got melted, which is frustrating to all of them. And they say, booty, boo, boo, man, all our candle collections got melted. So we're really unhappy. And so it was like, we were going to use those as part of it. And and, uh, they all go away. They're so frustrated. They say, we're going to the big farm where we could have, I don't think they were going there though. They're probably not going to the big farm, if you know what I mean. And then, uh, like Indy and Marion and maybe Sal are left and they get away and they say, okay, well, let's bring this thing back. Uh, and then they return and I think they say, he says, I don't know, maybe we should go our separate ways. I don't know how they end things, but he ends up like, uh, giving the arc to the U S government who just, I guess in another piece of like a think, a think piece or a comedy piece, uh, they put it in this giant bureaucratic warehouse and they just store it away in the middle of nowhere. Uh, that's like, Oh, this is this great discovery. And it just gets put away to never be used or discovered again and forgotten. And I think that's how it ended. And this is coming soon, you know, another movie. And then the movie after it was called, uh, Indiana, and I guess the movie started as Raiders of the Lost Ark, and then it became Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. So then the next movie was called Indiana Jones and the Temple of Achu. And that movie was the first movie that had a rating of PG-13. And I remember that just because it was a big, big deal back then. And I don't know if it impacted the box office movie positively or negatively, uh, but, uh, that movie was a little bit different. Um, uh, some, again, some of the main cast was not there and I haven't seen it in a long time. So I'd have to rewatch it to kind of get a sense of like, is that movie good or not? Uh, and I, so I'm, I'm curious to rewatch it. I mean, I, I think it was not quite on the same level as the first movie, but again, how are you going to, um, capture that again? Uh, I mean, I think it had some interesting parts and, and stuff like that. And, but uh, so I guess I can't really talk about it. Other than I remember that I wasn't allowed to see it because it was PG 13. I was definitely not 13. I don't know. It might have been even 11 or 12. Uh, I wish I knew what ages that was. Uh, but so, like, but I just remember that it was a big deal. And that all the kids were talking about, especially kids uh, whose parents let them go see PG-13 movies or were like, oh, I'll take you to the movie. Because up until that time, there was just G, PG, and R. And PG meant you could go, uh, you know, you're supposed to ask your parents, but you could kind of go. And then R was like under 18 or whatever, under 17, not admitted. And then they said, well, we need something. And again, this was the 80s. It was a very different time. Like, uh, I think as uh, we were kind of trying to decide, hey, what are, what are our value systems? And there was a big push at that time for traditional value systems. They said, well, I'm not sure about this new world we're moving into. And so some people, and I don't know if that's what caused this or not. To be honest, I have no idea. But uh, 
That's just my memory of the 80s saying, well, we need something that's a little bit more vanilla. We like vanilla and saccharin. Do you have those two things? Like in saltine crackers, we'd prefer a film like that. Or as far as the rate, we can't have, wait, does that have sugar? It, like, you know what I mean? Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's my memory. And then I remember uh, the next sequel, uh, in, what was it called? Uh, I don't know. The movie after that, the third movie, had Sean Connery in it. I saw it too many times. Uh, like, one of my friends was, like, we all, the first time we all saw it, we loved it. Then one of my friends was, like, trying to dig into, we, we went to the library because we were so obsessed with, like, the, the cookies that were in the movie. And then we went and saw it again, trying to, like, be like, what does that painting mean? Like, we were all obsessed with, like, the different hidden symbols in the movie which now you could just look up on the internet and stuff. Uh, but there was a lot of hidden symbols in the movie that would pay off later in the film. Uh, and then I, like, so I saw, like, I just saw, it was one of those movies I just saw too many times in a, in too short a period where I just, I don't think I've seen it in a long time. And I don't know if I can. I don't know, maybe something, like, uh, associated with some other thing where I'm like, oh... Uh, so I'm not sure. It's been a long time since I saw that, but Sean Connery always makes everything great. Uh, and Harrison Ford obviously is great in all three movies. Uh, most of the other ch- cast, Denim Elliott, uh, I don't know if he's in all three movies or not. Uh, is that who that is? Yeah. Like, uh, but you know, really good. Uh, I don't know. And again, just a big experience as a kid for me, the first one. And interesting, too, because, like, Steven Spielberg talks about kind of uh, trying to capture that Saturday serial-type feel from, like, Buck Rogers or other stuff. Uh, So it's just, like, the positive echoes of childhood, how it's like, oh, this impacted me somehow and how I, like, uh, viewed the world. And then, I, you know, maybe this led to me making the podcast. And he said, well, you also remembered the movie. like, And I said, yeah, you're right. I totally misremember the movie as well. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed that because uh, I enjoyed telling you about it. Uh, good night.